Today's scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 11, beginning at verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the mortals have built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they pro propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their languages there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So today we're finishing up our sermon series on the first 11 chapters with the book of Genesis with, you guessed it, chapter 11. <laughs> so far it's been a wild ride. We started with the creation of the universe, then the shaping of human beings out of clay, then the fall of humanity, and leaving in the Garden of Eden the first murder and Noah's flood, and today we end with the story of the tower or the city of Babel or Babel. Uh, Kelly was asking me, which one is it? It's, it's uh, either one, either one. But the basic outline of the story is this. Humanity is this unified whole, speaking one single language. They migrate to this place called Shinar on a plain, and there they settle, eventually building this incredible city out of wood-fired bricks. The famous part of this story is the most interesting part, of the city, they start work on this tower that reaches towards the sky, that stretches towards the heavens. And if you're here, you can see the, uh, the famous Renaissance uh, version of the Tower of uh, Babel by Peter Brugel. The city that stretches out to the heavens. Long story short, God doesn't like any of this. So God comes down from heaven and mixes up everyone's languages and nobody can communicate with anyone anymore. So they leave the city and they leave the tower half done and they migrate, scattering all over the four corners of the earth. And now often this story is read as a kind of cautionary tale about human arrogance. You know, with apologies to Led Zeppelin, these folks are trying to build a stairway to heaven. Right? 
They're trying to reach the heavenly realm to storm the pearly gates and be like God. So as a punishment, God creates different languages and scatters everyone across the earth, leaving the tower half completed, which is presumably where different languages of the world come from. And the lesson is this. Avoid pride, be humble, remember you're not God, otherwise you'll end up confused and have your life scattered just like Babel. That is the conventional reading of this story. Now, no doubt we could probably use a lot more emphasis on humility in our lives. We human beings can be an arrogant bunch. I have no problem saying that there. I'll say it every Sunday if you like. I kind of say it every Sunday anyway. And undoubtedly, we need to be reminded that we're God every single minute, that we're not God, oh boy, uh, not God every single minute of every day, so no problem there either. The problem with this reading, though, is that the tower is actually not that impressive. We're talking about what the Babylonians called a ziggurat, the zigzaggy temple with around a hundred steps to the top, maybe five stories. And while it would have been an impressive, ambitious piece of architecture at the time, it'd have nothing on our skyscrapers or even a 10-story condo building. I mean, the story even makes fun of the height of the thing and that God actually, you know, God's like up there and God's like, what's going on? They're building something. I'll go down and I'll take a look at it. It's so small. It's impressive if you're on the ground and looking up at it, but it'll barely show up on Google satellite view. The intention may have been to reach God, but God doesn't even seem to take the tower that seriously. The goal was to reach the heavens, but there's no, it isn't even partway there. If we read closely enough, the true problem is spelled out by the inhabitants of Babel themselves. Let us build this city and this tower, they say. Let's build this city and this tower to make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over all the earth. If you remember way back in Genesis 1, you'll remember that God created humanity to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth to fill the earth, to till it and keep it, to be a blessing, to extend God's blessing from one corner to the other. And this is why they gather together in one place to build a city and a tower because they're afraid to do this. They're afraid to scatter over the earth. The great Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann puts it this way. He says, the fear of scattering is resistance to God's purpose for creation. The people do not want to spread abroad, but want to stay in their own safe mode of sameness. They try to surround themselves with walls made of strong bricks and a tower for protection against the world around them. This unity attempts to establish a cultural human oneness without God. This is a self-made unity in which humanity has a fortress mentality, and it seeks to survive by its own resources. So in choosing to remain together in their safe, protective tower, they're thwarting God's purposes. They'd rather stick together in their comfort zone of 
safe, self-serving interests than venture forth avoiding God's call for them to be a blessing from one corner of the earth to the other. This is, rather than pure arrogance, what gets God down off the cloud and makes God intervene in the whole thing. So as you probably already know, we've been doing a Bible study on the text uh, we're leading up to on each Sunday, and we've had our last few sessions this past week. They've been great conversations, Bible study, highly recommended for everyone, by the way. It's great. And this past week, we read this story. We have two separate study groups, and in each of them, we independently found ourselves talking about the Tower of Babel in relation to community and to the church. It was suggested that, like Babel, we have a tendency to come together as like-minded people, speaking the same religious language, and gaining a certain sense of satisfaction about that. We have a tendency to cloister ourselves inside a brick-and-mortar building, although, you know, today it's kind of a it's a real cross-shaped discipline to come and be inside the church building. But we can become preoccupied with ourselves and our needs, our desires, and our preferences to stick to our own comfort zones rather than taking seriously God's mandate to reach out beyond our own walls, to speak in the many languages of our friends and neighbors, ones who are in desperate need of blessing and good news. And I mean, I gotta say, I love it when, preachers love it when other people deliver the hard sermons so we don't have to, right? We can say something like, well, I would never say that. But now that it's been said, let's say a little bit more. I wouldn't say that, of course. But now that it's been said, there may be an important word for us here and Now, and the last thing we'd probably like to think about right now is scattering, being pushed out of our security and comfort zones. I know that the pandemic has made me (laughs) appreciate comfort and security, stability far more than ever. Believe me, none of these things are bad in of themselves. But perhaps COVID has been a kind of judgment on all of us, not just St. George's, but churches in general. Not that God created COVID to shake up the church or to give us a little bit more color in our lives, but in scattering us away from our favorite structures and gathering places, COVID has revealed our own fears, insecurities, and self-occupations. God has shown us the limits of our own lives in the sometimes too small scope of our ministries. We can be preoccupied with making a name for ourselves personally or by marketing our institutions over building communities for mission. Whereas the God who we meet in Jesus Christ proclaims that my redemption and salvation is for the nations, it's for people of every tribe and tongue. From the ends of the streets to the ends of the earth, our own comfort often leads us no further than the end of our pew. 
we can be so focused on what's going on within our familiar four walls that we forget that we're built for the world outside them. And I am prone to forget this as easily as anyone else. There is, admit, something to what this person, unnamed person, said in our Bible study. And it is a bit unsettling. Unsettling as it may be, though, we need not see this as something entirely negative. I mean, on one hand, the scattering of Babel is a kind of judgment, a consequence of turning too far inward and making our way through these chapters in Genesis, though, we have to remember that with each judgment and consequence, there's always a hidden grace, right? There's always a less obvious gift from God waiting to be seized and taken in hand. When Adam and Eve were left naked and ashamed, God clothed them with animal skins, durable clothing to face the harsh world outside Eden. When Cain was exiled for murder, God marked him with a sign of protection and gave him a new family. Noah's flood was followed by a rainbow promise never to flood the earth again. In the Bible, judgment is never judgment for the sake of destruction, but for the sake of salvation, to get the train moving again when it's gone off the rails. And usually it's up to people to respond or not. So in confusing and scattering Babel, God isn't simply punishing the city for its self-centeredness and complacency, but God is actually taking the initiative in order to renew God's original intent and design for God's people. Uncomfortable, yes. Scary, uh-huh. Difficult, stressful, stretching, yes, yes, yes but God's pushing them out of their comfort zones in order to help them retrieve their original purpose for being to fill every corner of creation with the blessing of God, to make the main thing the main thing again. Last week I shared a quote in the sermon by the late Soviet and crit critic and dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn. The quote was, not about, was about not categorizing human beings into the categories of all good or all evil, but the dividing line between good and evil running through the middle of each human heart. And Solzhenitsyn, I shared, spent eight years in a Soviet prison camp for criticizing Joseph Stalin in a private letter. And this was, no doubt, a time of Babel-like scattering and confusion for him a time of trauma, pain, and despair where all comfort and familiarity was shattered entirely. The passage about the line dividing good and evil, though, ends on this surprising note of gratitude, believe it or not, gratitude for his prison experience. Bless you, prison, he says, Bless you, prison. Bless you for being in my life. For there, lying upon the rotting prison straw, I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity, as we are made to believe, 
but the maturity of the human soul. I came to realize that the object of life is not prosperity, but the maturity of the human soul. And, you know, as decentering and disconcerting as it was, Solzhenitsyn was able to see it as a time God used to refocus his life. And actually, Solzhenitsyn ended up being a renowned uh, scholar, artist, and critic the world round, and an advocate for uh, Christianity as a counter to the sort of heartless materialism of the West and of the Soviet Union. But he was able to see this as a time where God refocused his life. While he lost his safety, his security, life as he knew it, he gained something even more important, the desire and willingness to become who he was created to be in the first place and to follow God's calling on his life for the sake of the world. And this is how we might see our own situation now. As individuals, as church, society as a whole even, this time of scattering, deep discomfort, we need not see this entirely as judgment or punishment or fully in the negative. This doesn't discount any of the real pain and suffering we've endured, but it means we can see it as a time where the inessential is being stripped away. And the truly essential is coming into focus yet again. Where God is using our suffering and struggle to lure us back to the true purpose of our lives and the true purpose of the church yet again, leaving our own towers and projects behind and to allow ourselves to be caught in God's work, great work of grace, yet again, to give an account of the hope that is within us to a community and culture longing for life, starving for good news, eyes searching for some light to scatter the darkness. It's not safe, it's not glamorous, and it's not always an easy way to be, but it is right and it is good. Jesus, after all, says that in order to have our lives saved, we need to learn how to lose them. So our challenge isn't to figure out how to return to where we were or to rebuild what we've left behind. It's learning to trust the God whose path to life runs straight through a cross. That in the scattering itself, God is doing a new thing which is the same old thing that God's been doing since day one. For this and all things, good, beautiful, right, thanks be to God. Amen.
please stand for our hymn of the day, Come and Find the Quiet Center. Come and find the quiet center in the crowded life we lead. Find the room for hope to enter. Find the frame where we are freed. Clear the Simply be.